Hi, I'm Dr. Manoj Krishna, the founder of Human Wisdom. And my guest today is Martha Van Dam. Martha is a psychotherapist based in Florida in the United States, and she's a cancer survivor herself. And today we're going to be talking about the psychological impact of illness. Because modern medicine is focused on treating the disease, but the distress all of us feel is a combination of the disease and how our mind is reacting to that. And this is something that modern medicine has very little to offer, doesn't it, Martha? Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, but you're so right. And as we've talked about before, sometimes it's that what's happening in our mind that actually is more problem for us than what's happening in our body. Yes. I had so many patients who, I was a spine surgeon for 30 years, and I had patients who came in with back pain, but their biggest impact was the psychological impact on their thinking. Mm -hmm. So the same degree of back pain, mm -hmm. they'd score it, say, 7 out of 10 on a scale. But you look at the patients, like an old farmer says, oh, this is nothing, he's out on the hills with his, you know, Right. Somebody else has just gone to pieces lying in bed all day, the sort of thing. Right. See? Right. Because right. it's the way our mind reacts automatically. And yes. we don't have the tools to cope. And I'm hoping that through this conversation you and I are having today, we can offer people something in that space, you know? Yes, yes. And there is hope for that. There is hope, isn't there? Yes. So let's begin with the first question. Why should we bother exploring this question? I think we touched a little bit on it in the introduction. It's valuable to focus on this because of the vast impact that uh, that a diagnosis has on our psyche, on our mind. It has yes. such an impact. And um, so if, if for no other reason for that reason alone, but then other things is that it then the way we address it psychologically can have an effect on our healing itself and yes. on how well we do with our treatments. Yes, yes. And of course, it's better to be prepared, right? Yes. Because if you've thought all this through beforehand, when the challenge comes, you're ready. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. someone tells you you've got cancer or diabetes or whatever, and your mm -hmm. mind is just unprepared. So you don't right. know how to, how to cope. You start drowning. Do you know what I mean? Metaphorically. Sure. sure, sure, sure. And I think even if we're somewhat prepared, it still comes as a shock, but it's not the same kind of shock. It's... Yes. It's more like, oh, I knew this could happen. And then we can begin to deal with it. It's like a fire drill, I think. You know, like you've practiced that oh. fire drill. So yes. when, the, when, it, when the alarm goes, you know exactly what to do. One, you, know you don't to have do. to think about it. You know, that's, that's right. one of the things we could uh, explore. But you raise a really important point that say you've been diagnosed with cancer. Your immune system is going to fight that cancer. Mm -hmm. And... If you have a positive attitude, your immune system is going to be able to do that much better. Mm -hmm. Whereas yes. if you've got a negative attitude, you're really not negative attitude, but you're really struggling from the emotional distress of it all. Yeah. Then you're at a disadvantage. Like a panicked attitude. If you have a panicked attitude, then the, the adrenaline, the cortisol, all those things are literally affecting our bodies and affecting our body's ability to be strong enough to fight. Yes. And I know that we've talked about cancer a lot, but actually this can be in a reaction to any illness, Parkinson's disease, back pain. It could mm -hmm. be the smallest thing and it Alzheimer's. suddenly throws people off, off track, right? 
So how yes. do people feel, Martha? Let's explore that. What are the different feelings that go through our minds? And the first word that comes to my mind is devastated. If it's one of these really big, big illnesses, it's devastated because on some level in a nanosecond, we realize my life has just changed. And we also on some level can kind of quickly, we may not be able to know the details of how things are gonna be different, but in some way we know in the future from here on out, things are different. And, and then the more time we give a thought, then we also realize, oh, I may not be able to enjoy some of the things I've always loved, or I may not meet some of the goals I've always wanted to have. So our mind goes to that place pretty quickly. And we're in shock, really. Yes. You know, yes. And yes. quite a lot of, the, lot of the time we're in denial too. Yes. We just don't want to accept that it's happening to us, you know. Right. We right, don't want right. to talk about it. We can't accept it. You know, we're in denial. Mm -hmm. And then I guess also we get angry. Okay? Mm -hmm. We get mm -hmm. angry with God, with life, with why is it happening to me? What it, how? What have I done to deserve it? And and so on. Right? And we look for a place to put our anger. So maybe I'll be angry with the doctor. Why didn't he find this six months ago? Or or yes. why did my spouse or partner not be uh, interested when I said I had this symptom, you know, some place to put the anger. Yes. So some focus for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And of course, when we're suffering, the other thing that happens is we tend to withdraw from everyone, don't we? Because we're focused on our own suffering. So we withdraw right. from our friends, from our family. We don't want to take phone calls from loved ones. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. And kind of connected to that is we immediately, for at least for a little while, feel very different. We feel like we're not the same as ourselves as we used to be, and we're not the same as others. So we'll feel like we do this by ourselves. Clearly we're not. Millions of people have all of these things, but when it first shows up, we can feel very much like we're the only one. Why do you think people withdraw? Because you've been through this experience yourself. Do you think uh, everyone does or or some people do and some don't maybe? I don't think, I think some people immediately reach out for, I need help, I need my people. But then I wonder how much of it can be simply, well, multiple reasons, but I wonder if a piece of it is people's general personality differences. Some people are better kind of to themselves and they want to process things internally. That's just how they work. Yes. Um, other people, maybe their support around them isn't as supportive as, as they need. Some people can make it more difficult for us. Ah, and, yes. and so if those people are going to be saying things that actually make it more difficult, oh, it's just natural to pull away. We don't have the energy for anything extra. Or we don't want to be reminded of our... True. That's another oh, one. You know, like you're ringing me saying, Manoj, so sorry you've got cancer. No, no, I don't want to be reminded I've got cancer. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? right, right, so that right. could be another reason. But we withdraw from the people we love. And of mm -hmm. course, we become really anxious, don't we, about the future? Oh, yes. <laughs> so many fears then tend to bring their way to the surface. And I think a lot of those fears might have already been there anyway, but we don't think about them. We don't have to. And now this diagnosis brings them to the forefront yes. and we start worrying what would it be like to die, to leave my partner? How is it going to affect us financially? You know, all of the fears start coming. Yes. What are my children going to do? 
um, yes. of being a burden on other people, yes. you know, as the illness progresses? Or yes. will the people, like, will my husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend leave me? Yes. Because they yes. can't cope with what's happening, you know? True. And it does happen. That's yes. true. So our mind just magnifies all these fears and then mm -hmm. imagines they've already happened, doesn't it? It's true. It's true. It's true. So now as there's like a problem to solve. And as I've heard you mentioned before, but we're not in the future. So we cannot solve something that would be in the future. We're not there. No. So no. We can't solve still... it because it, the problem hasn't occurred yet. My husband hasn't yet left me, so I can't address it. <laughs> so I just have to worry right. about it. You see? Exactly. You know, exactly. Or, or whatever it might be that you're worried about. Exactly. Okay. So we do get, and of course we get, we also worry about money, don't we, Martha? Because that's a reality for a lot of people. And it's a very big reality. It's a very big reality. I've forgotten the percentage, but there's a very large percentage of people who end up penniless or broken because of cancer treatment. It it can devastate individuals, couples, families financially. Yes. I know somebody who was homeless um, just from, you know, just from this whole thing of paying for it. And that's the other added distress. Like if you're in a situation where you have to pay something for your treatment and you can't afford yes. it. Yes. And or, even insurance is paying, you can be sick enough that you lose your job and yes. now you lose insurance, at least in this country. Yes. And you lose your insurance now now you're having to rely on maybe some sort of assistance that may or may not be enough yes so there's the added pressure of the mm. financial worry so our okay but we also feel lonely don't we this mm. can make us feel very lonely did you feel that when you were going through your illness because you had cancer okay. within you of the I breast i did have cancer and it was uh, inflammatory breast cancer it was very aggressive um and I think I, I felt like I was, what I was doing, I was doing by myself. I was the one experiencing it, but I had such good support around me that I didn't feel lonely. Yeah. I felt somewhat alone in my experience, but I did not feel lonely because I was so well supported, but that is not, that is not always the case. And that was the thing that pushed me to want to help people with cancer because I realized not everyone had the advantages that I had to deal with my cancer. I mean, there's so many people who are single or single parent yes. families and, or, or, yes. or, may, or they may have relationships that are not strong. Yes. This, you know, so yes. that can make you feel doubly lonely yes. or they may not have the friendships or relationships that are strong enough to support them through this illness. Yes. And so then it shines the light on the lack of relationship as well as the light being shown on now I've got to face this disease. So it's like yes. an additional grief they may be brought to the surface. And you mentioned last time that all the underlying issues come to the surface, like body image issues, or if the relationship is rocky, it just gets magnified. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. So many things, yes, that are already there that we can push aside to a degree we just kind of keep dealing with life but something this big happens and you can no longer ignore it you know for example with prostate cancer you might lose erectile function or with breast yes. cancer you have to have a breast removed all yes. of these things have such huge impact on our body image and all of that right our psyche exactly and we can't just pretend that's not an issue because 
our culture so frequently is feeding that to us as well. Yes. So we're constantly be reminded. So, so I don't know, you lose breast and your hair and all the other things that go along with it. And what do you start seeing is ads for bikinis all over the place. It, it just, it's a continual reminder of, yes, I don't have that. I can't be that. Yes. Yes. So I think the key is to perhaps from the beginning, remember that you're not your body, you know, true. You, know, you don't have to identify with the body. You are, the body functions and serves you, but that actually mm -hmm. is, you know, who you mm -hmm. are it doesn't have to be, like, I wouldn't say I'm my right thumb. <laughs> no. Do you know what no. I mean? No, exactly, exactly. I've, I think a thing that has come out of this for me is getting better and better at seeing people as spirits and souls who happen to be wearing skin of some sort. It's like their clothes, Yes. And they all have different sets of clothing, the body, but who they are is that spirit and soul inside. Well, maybe this is a good point to uh, introduce that story we heard the other day, uh, where so one of my friends took her mother to see a doctor. And the mother had about 10 different problems, including kidney problems and, you know, various things. Okay. So my friend's telling the doctor all of these problems. And then the doctor turns to the mother and says, so how do you feel? And the mom says, I feel fine. <laughs> and he was really surprised. He said, but you've got all these problems. She said, no, my body has all these problems. I yes. feel fine. See the difference? It's it's, if you can manage that, it's fabulous, right? Right. And for most of us, there's a growth to get to that place. Yes. But... But I would like to offer this. I hope that the, the listeners can grasp or can um, absorb the idea that when we get some sort of diagnosis, yes, it can be scary. Yes, there may be some painful things to deal with. But at the same time, there's going to be some opportunity for some amazing growth that can actually take you, your heart and soul and mind to a place better than it ever was before the diagnosis. Right, right. I think you told me this last time and I found it very moving that six years now on from your diagnosis and treatment for mm -hmm. cancer, mm -hmm. you feel you're a better person in some ways. And could you elaborate on that, Arthur? Well, I think, I, I yes, I did say that. And I do believe that to be true. I think one of the things I say is I like me better. Mm. I am more at peace. I am not as controlled by old, untrue beliefs about the body, about who I am. So it's it's purged some of those things so that now I feel much more free and much more alive. Isn't yeah. that, isn't that interesting? I, my cancer was very serious. It was very aggressive and the prognosis was not good at the beginning. So I did face the idea of death. Having faced that, I feel more alive than I ever felt before. Yes, because you, isn't that yeah. What we're saying is that keeping in mind the fact that life is a temporary <laughs> gift, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Means that we have to, we make the most of every day. Yes. And yes. we give, we are thankful for every day. And in the morning, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That if you carry yes. that spirit with you, then every yes. day of your life is a rich one. Yes. See? Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, so it impacts the individual who's suffering from an illness, but what about the loved ones? Mm -hmm. So much happens for love to loved ones and nobody actually pays any attention to them and their mm -hmm. suffering. See, mm -hmm. um, they're also grieving, aren't they? 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Cancer, Parkinson's, um, dementia, all of these things do not happen just to the individual. They happen to the whole family, only it happens differently to each member of the family. Yes. So the patient is having the symptoms, but the children are afraid of losing their parent. The spouse is afraid of losing his spouse. The I mean, it, Down the road, they're all affected in some way. They're all grieving in some way. And also way. I might lose my freedom you know, to do things because now I've become a carer and I can't yes. go away or do, you know, I need to may, may have to stop working or reduce my yes. working hours because just I need to care for this person. I'm going to see. Yes. Yes. And all of the things they were going to maybe do with their family member that now they cannot, hmm. they can also feel a little bit of resentment or some, certainly some sadness that now they are not able to do some of the, And it's not selfish no. to, to grieve those I, things. I think some resentment comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Why me? I didn't sign up for this kind yes. of thing, right? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Um, and I have literally heard that, that statement made. <clears throat> I didn't sign up for this. Hmm. And that's very hard. <laughs> really hard for everyone, right? To, um, everyone. you know, but also as a carer, I don't want others to feel that I'm not strong enough, so I can't talk about how I'm feeling. That's true. To the person who's ill, because, <clears throat> and so I feel unsupported in many ways, right? And there's nobody to look after me and my needs, <clears throat> and so on, right? Yes, I've heard it said. I've I've seen where a person would ask, maybe you or I would ask the husband of the wife with cancer, the husband, well, how are you doing? And seen that husband say, oh. Nobody asks me that mm. because the focus naturally all gets put on that sick person and the person, sadly, the person who is the caregiver often does not have the same sort of support, the same yeah. sort of compassion coming their way and they need it. They need yeah. it desperately. Absolutely. So our society offers little support to the patients, but almost no support to the carer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, it's just your lot. You have to just, uh, you know, and so on. So there's very little um, support for that. Okay. All right. So now we've got a diagnosis and we're in shock and all these things are happening to us emotionally. What's right. our first step? What can we do? What, what's, what do we need that, to do? Yes. That first step is, is that take a deep breath and step back a second. Just take it. It feels to begin with like you are showered with news and information and words you've never heard before and decisions to be made. And that's so overwhelming. Yes. We're not prepared for it. Yes. And um, so uh, the first step is step back a little bit, take a breath, um, begin to make some immediate decisions on who do we contact first and what are our first decisions. Yes. So the but first thing is who are you gonna tell, right? So yes. make a list of people you need to reach out to, um, do it through a text or something. You can't sit and call everyone, or you might have to call some individuals, of course. Yes. Um, okay, so you've done the phone calling. And maybe at this point, it's also useful to ask your doctors to write things down for you. Because I yeah. know all, all my patients, none of them remember a single thing I told them in clinic. Then I had to write, I sent them a letter, you see, a copy of the consultation. Then it yes. was there with them. Otherwise, yes. they just don't remember anything, you know? Oh, 
you're in shock and we do not absorb, we do not move data around in our brain in the healthiest way when we're in shock, it just doesn't work well. <clears throat> and so I, I, at, from the very beginning, I would suggest someone make sure that from there on out as they have appointments, as they have treatments, that they have someone to go with them with a notebook to um, for that other person to feel free and ask questions, but certainly to write things down. Yes. And um, it's amazing how if you have someone with you later on when you're talking about what the doctor said, it's amazing how the two people can have heard things so differently. Very differently. We also raised, discussed, Martha, how important it is to reach out and not be shy about yes. asking for help. Right? Yes, yes, And yes. you could have a network of someone who takes you to hospital, someone who cooks you a meal, someone who comes with you for a walk. You know, yeah. someone who is there on the phone to talk to or someone who comes and does something with you uh, to distract you and so on. Right? Yes, absolutely. And we talked a minute ago about about when you first you first find out. And the sad thing is when you're first gathering your wits and gathering your resources, you don't have the, the best of your strength you're you're in this place of, of like you said denial and and some shock and unfortunately during that time that is the time that we need to reach out it and so we want to say it now that you're if someone gets a diagnosis you're not going to necessarily feel like reaching out but do it yes gather your resources even in the place of not feeling like it do it Yes. And remember, people have a need to be needed, too. So they might yes. be grateful to you. Yes. Um, and it's surprising uh, how many people will come forward and do spontaneous acts of generosity and kindness, yes. which were most yes. unexpected, you know. And those are magical and those are wonderful. And I tell people who are being supported, supporters I say, do not just sit back and wait on the call and do not say, I'll do anything, um, just call me because people don't, patients don't like to call. And, and I say, come up with an idea of something you'd like to do. Can I bring you dinner next Tuesday? Yes. Can I go with you on to one of your treatments? Yes. Now, the answer may be no, but at least you've you've given an idea and you've also helped the patient to see that you're serious, you really want to help. Yes. That being said, if we get lots of people saying, call me, I'll do anything, keep those names in the back of your head and call them. Yes. I think also we have to recognize that as friends, now we're moving away from family, but as friends, a lot of people don't know how to respond. It's true. They don't know what to say. There's no rule book, right? What do I say to Martha now that she's got cancer? What do I, how do I help? And I heard something beautiful from a bereavement coach the other day. Um, it's part of our human wisdom family, a lady called Lynn Staley. And she said, sometimes it's important just to show up. Mm -hmm. You don't have to actually do a lot. Right. You can just sit quietly, but it's just important to show up. And that in itself provides a huge amount of support. Right. Absolutely. That's yes. That's the, no, I would say that's the number one thing. And from there, there may be other things, but there may not have to be. Yes. Yeah. Just showing up is so important. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you've got out of um, the shock and you've started gathering information. And we've also mm -hmm. suggested that um, 
the patient needs to guide other people on mm-hmm. how what their needs are. Like today, I might feel like not talking about, I just want you to listen. Right, right. Some other days I might say, okay, Martha, I'm open to advice. Right. Right. Or right. today, I don't want to talk at all. We just want, I just wanted to be there. So whatever it is, you need to communicate because people can't read your mind, right? Absolutely, they cannot. And you bring up such a good point for that caregiver. They don't know, they don't know what that individual wants And that individual may want different things at different times. So there's no way for them to come in and be prepared and have the right, the perfect thing. But they can ask. Always they can ask. Do you want to talk about it today or do you want to ignore it today? Because we can talk about the weather and the beach. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So important right? on both sides. Just to have that little conversation. What do you need today? You know? Yes, yes. Exactly. And needs today, we need to remember to talk about at the very beginning to be sure that we're taking care of whatever those are, just our physical needs, getting rest. Yes. Getting make if even if you have a hard time eating, can are there little things? Can you have soup? Can you have granola bars? Can you have a little piece of fruit? So food, rest, movement, some sort of exercise, at least even if it's a tiny bit that you can do something because our bodies need that and our minds need it as well and of course the once you look after the body the rest of the body that's not ill you know that needs exercise diet then it actually also helps to boost our mood which then boosts our immune system which then you know helps with the illness all of that absolutely okay absolutely don't forget the basics sleeping food exercise Mm -hmm. breathing breathing exercises are good aren't they yes there's so oh, many yeah. on the Human Wisdom app people can learn, but from elsewhere too. And you also talked about in the very early stages not to to consider rather some anti-anxiety drugs if you need them. If you need them. I definitely needed them. I think I mentioned to you that time that, um, that I just couldn't stop crying. I wasn't even necessarily in the moment thinking about being sad, but all of the changes, all the fears, I, I just couldn't stop crying. And I don't think I could have functioned doing what I did um, if I hadn't had a little something that Hmm. slowed down the the tears. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. So we've got through the first phase and you've gathered your resources, your people, you've taken care of the basics. Okay, now what's the second phase? It's the second step, if you like. You've got, maybe we should begin by saying, just focus on the here and now, right? Mm-hmm. you know live as much as you can for today you know and take one tiny step at a time mm. because all of this is a lot of steps that need to be taken in order to get us through the illness or treatments but we don't need to deal with them all at one time we just need today what are we dealing with today yes and also start gathering information yes we live in an era where information is easily accessible. So mm-hmm. start gathering information about your illness, discuss it mm-hmm. with your medical team. Um, mm-hmm. And remember that the doctors you're seeing are also human. They're also fallible. So yes. the more you can be involved in your own care, the better the chances are that something won't be missed, for example. you know. Yes, yes. And I'm a strong advocate, especially if you have something that's the least bit unusual, but a strong advocate of finding a 
um, someplace near you or that you can get to um, a center that specializes in that so that the physicians, the techs, the nurses in that particular um, center, they've seen it so many times that they they have and they've studied that particular issue so many times that that and it can be very wise to get a second opinion from a specialized center. Yes. And just go on, we said, with written questions so that. Yes. You know, because yes. otherwise, as soon as you walk in, you're going to forget, you know, all of yes, that. Right? Yes. And I know as we've said a lot, the Internet is just provides this plethora of information. The Internet, we can get anything, maybe too much sometimes. Too much but sometimes, we yes. We can exactly. get frightened, can't we? Because Absolutely. we so much information. Yeah. You know. But we can get good support. We can find good groups of people who are dealing with exactly uh, that thing. Yes, yes, yes. And that can be just almost life-saving yes. to be in other so groups people. Of, groups for every illness. So you can yes. find the right group yes. for yourself. Oh, yes. yes. People who understand and all of that. Yes, okay. We also talked about journaling, Martha. So keeping a journal, writing down all your thoughts. What do you think are the benefits of that? Oh, so many. The way that our brain works, since our brain, one of its main jobs is to observe and recognize we're in when we're in danger and then warn us. Hmm. So then our brain is doing that all through the treatment and it's pinging and telling us all the potential things that could go wrong. And the act of writing them down helps to settle our brain. Our brain gets the idea, oh, she's working on it. Oh, she's she hears me. I don't have to keep forcing this uh, idea okay. she's she's written it down she's dealing with it i don't have to keep reminding and pinging yes. her head so it yes. does help settle yes and it's sort of out of our head onto paper right mm -hmm. yes know, that's the key thing you know but also once you've written it down then you can ask questions right? yes how much of all this is my mind just imagining things how much it of it is, is real? Is there another way of looking at it? What do I yes. need to accept in this situation? You know, yes. like, okay, I might, I might lose my breast, but that's not going to make me less of a person. You know what I mean? Right. That sort of thing. Right. So you can question yourself through journaling, right? right? Yes. And it helps to bring up questions because what you just said there, um, I might lose my breast, but it won't make me less of myself. And if through journaling, you realize actually, I feel like it's going to make me less of myself, then you know to deal with that. Yes. You know that, that so those things can rise to the surface in a healthy way, yes. in a way that now we know why we're having such trouble and we can deal with that. Because if our fears just operate in the background without being addressed, then they interfere with our sleep. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, sleep at night, you know, all of that, right? Yes. Okay. And we wonder why we're snapping at people or we're frustrated and short with things because we don't realize that those things in the back of our head are running and taking energy. So we have to realize as friends and family that the patient is going to find have days when they're irritable, angry, yes. unreasonable, yes. never take it personally. True, true, true. Because it's don't don't withdraw just because people are you know, behaving oddly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also yes, the yeah. importance of just distraction, doing something else you enjoy. Otherwise, you're just sitting there, your mind's constantly just thinking about the illness all the time, right? 
Yes, yes. I, I have a, a friend and neighbor right now who has a very serious cancer um, at stage four, and it's likely very terminal, but um, he loves to come across the street, get on the one of the neighbor's backyards and talk about anything but cancer. He wants to talk about football and whatever's going on in the news and pol politics. He just wants to talk about other things. He wants that distraction. Yes. And, and that's a gift his, our, his friend can give him. It's a gift we can give as well, yes. if that's what the person wants. So, yeah. So maybe when we call people or we are with people who are suffering, we begin by not talking about the illness at all. Let them begin talking about it if they want. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yes. So, yes. All right. Yeah. So we've done the first step, getting over the shock. The second step, reaching out and getting the basics in place. But the third step is the key, Martha, right? To freedom, which is changing our mental attitude, changing our thinking. Mm -hmm. And it is. acceptance is the key but it's really hard. Now, what helped you? To accept? Well, first of all, I'll say it's a process. Right. And we don't want to beat ourselves up emotionally because we can't just snap our fingers and be there. Yes. We have to work through. And I think work coming those little things that pop up, like deciding, um, does my breast, is that what makes me feminine? Is that what makes me a woman? You know, dealing with those things I think brought me to a place of acceptance. And also this phrase, we've used it before, this leaning in. So whatever the fears are, whatever the concerns are, instead of pushing away from them and not thinking, choosing to lean in and sit with it and spend time, that's where that's where the work happens, the yes. work, the mental work. And and acceptance comes out of that. That's such a beautiful thing. So our mind, our instinct is to run away from pain. It's painful. It's yes. painful. Right? The thought yes. is painful. The yes. possibilities are painful. But the yes. answer, as you rightly said, lies in walking towards our fear, mm -hmm. embracing mm -hmm. it, sitting with it. Right? Yes. And yes. if you can, just like you watch a bird fly across the sky and you don't think about that bird, you just watch it. If you can be with the feeling without yes. thinking about it. Yes. You see, then mm -hmm. something starts shifting inside, you know. Without judgment. Yes. Of the judgment. judging ourselves. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's not wrong to think or fear this or be afraid, but it's mm -hmm. just sitting with things and, and being with uh, and mm -hmm. leaning in, as the other expression you said. Mm -hmm. Okay. And also to realize that all we can choose is how to live today. Mm -hmm. We can't choose how we come into the world or how we go, but we can choose how we live today. This is true. And this if you true. can write down, how do I want to live today? Maybe at the beginning of the day in your journal and at the end mm -hmm. of the day, say, okay, how did I live today? Yes. Did I live the way I wanted to live. And then, yes. you know, every day then becomes that kind of day, right? Well, absolutely. And I think a thing that I like to practice and to deal with my clients with is whatever they're facing, at, remind them that at some point in time, they're going to be at the end of it. At some point in time, if it's a disease they can be healed from, they'll be at the end, or if it's a disease that they're going to die from, but at some point they'll be at the end. When they're at the end, 
what are they going to want to think and see when they look back? Yes. Are they going to want to see that they spent the last two years anxious and in tears and fearful and pulled into themselves and into their lives? Are they, are they going to want to see that? Or are they going to want to see somebody that found a way to live the moments that they had? The answer is pretty clear. Yes. Most we know where we want to go, yes. but if we can make that decision of what we what we want to see looking back, then we can easily say, "So I just need to live that now." It's easy for us to say. It's really hard for the patient to do because it is. their mind is so full of these negative thoughts, emotions, and fears. At one yes. intellectual level, they kind of understand. They agree with you. Yes, every day you spend worrying is one less day that you're really celebrating and living your life properly. Right. But as you rightly said, it's it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the other realization that's so useful, it doesn't matter what's happening, is we assume our stress and our anxiety is caused by our illness. Oh, that's a good one, yes. Yes. But to realize it's a reaction from our thinking to yes. that illness. Yes. So if yes. you took the illness away and put another problem there, our mind would react the same pattern, stress, anxiety. Yes. Right? Yes. And each individual thinks theirs is the only way to react to that situation. Yes. So the answer to stress and anxiety also lies in examining our own thinking. Our thoughts, our beliefs. Yes. yes. And our narratives and questioning them, right? Yes, yes. And um, we've we've had this conversation that I love to ask the question of myself and of my clients, who would I be and how would I be feeling if I didn't have that thought? Yes, that's a beautiful line. Yes, how would I, I like be that. right now? Right now? How would I be feeling if I were not thinking I might die or I might lose my hair and my breast or I might um, have to leave my my family or they may not support me who would I be without that thought and almost always 99.9 percent .9 of the people that I ask that question when they think about it and this was my experience as well the answer is free yes. I would feel free yes yes so to realize that this is what your mind is doing to you mm -hmm. and this journey of self-inquiry or learning about yourself Puts mm -hmm. you in charge of your own thinking. That's the key. Yes. 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 If you want to take that journey, then of course we've created so many tools on the Human Wisdom app for to help people uh, with that. Okay. But also to realize that everything passes, right? Everything in the universe has a beginning and an end. And to make our peace with that, that's not easy, right? It's not easy, but it also is freeing. Yes. When we we can then begin to let go and not just try to just, just hang on so tightly when we realize that's an exercise in futility. Yes. Best to let go and then treasure what is here in front of me while I have it with the understanding of it's this is now, treasure it, treasure it. So this you is went through that process. Do you want to just explain what happened to you through that process? How you move from that first shock to that freedom of accepting that yes, my life might end, and that's okay if it does. 
the um yes the process of that for me and i would suggest that it's probably very personal for each person how yes. they get to that point very yes. individualized but for me at the same time that i had cancer i had two good friends who died um unexpectedly i had a friend's daughter who um died from a, a lung transplant that was rejected and it seems like there were a couple of other things but at some point in time i just remember saying out loud it feels like there's death everywhere. And I was just surrounded by it. But then I sat with it hmm. for just a bit. And I realized, well, of course, there's death everywhere. There's 8 billion people on the planet, and they're all going to die. That's a lot of death. Hmm. And there have been how many billions of people over time hmm. since the beginning of time that hmm. have died? That's a lot of death, of course. And something about that realization began to sink in of how how real it is and not in a tragic way. It's just a flowing part of life. And so the next step as I continued to lean in was I started naming people that I knew. Well, all of my neighbors are going to die and I'm naming names. Well, and then all of the people in my city and my state and then naming my husband and my children and my grandchildren and my sister and my nieces and nephews, names that I have never connected with death before. But as I did that, uh, this piece came. It was more of a, yeah, that's right. Why have you been upset about it? We're all going to die. This is just the part of this is a part of life, which then translated to. Well, if that's the way this ends, by golly, I better grab hold of every bit of life I can. Yes. And and not be fearful of death. Let it teach me a lesson. Let it be a friend that propels me on to grab the most I can with the life that I have, whether it's um, six months, two years or 30 more years. Yes. Yes. And that's a beautiful thing. So the possibility of death can help us live a richer life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, okay. So I think we've come to the end of our discussion. And just to summarize, the psychological impact of illness can't be underestimated. And sometimes it's much worse than the illness itself. But mm -hmm. you can tackle it in a really step by step by step way. Yes. You know, using the tools that we've discussed today, but also the Human Wisdom app offers a lot of support. And you will get through it, right? Everything passes. This challenge you're facing will pass as well, right? We will. And that is up to us. Yeah. We do have, we have control in that place. We have empowerment in that place to make those decisions. And That's... you are much stronger than you realize. Yes. You know, we all More people will step up and support you than you realize. Yes. You know, and there is always... Uh, hope and of course if you're dying of cancer and it's terminal that mm -hmm. also allows you then to focus and live a much richer life in the time you have left whatever it may be you know it's true and I came to the conclusion that I wanted to die uh, to live well and I want to die well whatever that looks like yes and yes. and and if, with that from my perspective with that attitude now I feel on top of that as well that yes. I, I do have decisions and wow. how I let my mind go Yes. And, and how I live and die. Yes, I went through a phase for about six weeks where there was a possibility of a cancer diagnosis. Turned out to be some stone in the kidney. But for those six weeks, I went through the whole, you know, emotional thing. But in the in that time, I made my peace with going. Mm -hmm. 
And as you say, that's a great freedom. And that piece actually has stayed with me even that's, after that, you know. It's a learned, once it's, once the lesson is learned, it's, it's there. It brings you, so once you get over the possibility of dying, then actually no other fear comes close. So, you know, mm -mm. you live a much richer life, you know, mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. you made your peace with being here and then not being here um, and making the most of it. Okay. That's true. All right. Well, thank you so much, Martha. That was, um, and I'm sure a lot of people will be helped by this. And if they want to reach out, you specifically help people with cancer. It's what your main goal is, right? You're a psychotherapist who wants to help people with their illnesses and deal yes. with that. And they can yeah. reach you and I will put your contact details on this call. Okay. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it, Manoj. It's wonderful speaking with you. Thank you. This podcast came to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me, or download the Human Wisdom app. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>